Uh, please turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Our text this evening will be verses 6 through 11, but I would like to begin back in verse 1 for context. Hear now the very word of God. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. Amen. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Pray with me. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this, your word, your truth, Lord. Lord, we pray that your spirit would be at work in our hearts and in our minds. Indeed, Lord, quicken us to your truth. Lord, help us to be a changed people as we leave this place by what we hear and read today. Help us, Lord, indeed, to not only be hearers of your most holy word, but active and passionate doers of your word, we pray. Be with us now as we consider your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, my friends, in the context of today's passage, Paul continues his instruction on eschatology regarding the timing of the day of the Lord. Speaking of the suddenness of its arrival, Paul said, it will come as a thief in the night. In addition, for those in darkness, this day will come with sudden destruction, pain, and anguish of which they won't be able to escape. However, for the children of God, the, the sons of light, Paul tells us that the day of the Lord will not overtake us as a thief. We are to welcome the day, and we are to be ready for it. Because of these truths, Paul goes on in today's text here to give us details of how we are to be ready. Readiness is essential. Are we prepared for what lies ahead of us? Is that preparation even evident today? Or have we been lulled into a spiritual laziness in our daily lives, our challenges and trials, finding ourselves caught off guard? 
If the answers are that we find ourselves unprepared and off guard, then we need to ask ourselves why. I think we have one of the answers here in today's text. It is because oftentimes we aren't watchful and sober. We forget the situation we are in and the situation God's word tells us we're in and give into temptation. We are told that we're in a battle. We're in a fight. And if we're honest as children of God, we know it. We can feel it and at times actually see it all around us, even in our world. So we are called to be watchful and sober. Yet at times we are found sleeping and under the influence, so to speak. And so, my friends, as sons and daughters of light, we must be battle ready in obedience and preparation for the coming of our Savior. In today's passage, we find a call to be awake and alert in verse 6. A call to arms in verses 7 and 8. As well as we see the sweet comfort of our salvation in verses 9 through 11. And so first in verse 6, be watchful and sober, Paul says. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. You know, the first piece of preparation for the second coming of Christ that Paul mentions here as children and of the light and of the day is don't, don't sleep. Stay awake. What does sleep mean here? Well, if you recall, the Greek word for sleep has several meanings, depending, dependent on the context of the passage. It can refer to actual sleeping or death. But here, most scholars agree that sleep is referring to spiritual sloth. In other words, we should not be spiritually careless or idle. We shouldn't live as though there's no judgment day. Living as though everything will remain as it is and there will never be any righteous evaluation of our thoughts and actions. We know that is what the unbeliever thinks. But sometimes we forget to realize that we as believers are often unprepared for the judgment. Matthew Poole, a 17th century commentator, explains as natural sleep binds up the senses and men aren't aware of any approaching danger, so doth the sleep of the soul. It darkens the mind, stupefies the spiritual senses, that men prepare not for the coming of Christ, nor to avoid the destruction that will suddenly come upon them. So Paul says the second piece of preparation is as those who are awake, we must watch and be sober. And first to watch. You know, the acts of the world happen at night. That's what Paul is mentioning here. Spiritual sleepiness, drunkenness, moral carelessness, foolishness, etc. We are to cast those off and be awake and watchful. We see similar instruction by Paul to the church in Rome after he exhorted them to love one another. He said in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, And do this 
knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, and the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Remember also that Jesus gave this command to the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, just leading up to his crucifixion. He told them in Matthew 26, 41, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. My friends, they needed to keep awake, and they needed to pray while they were awake. There was a great temptation coming, and they needed to keep awake and pray that when the test came, they would not be tempted to the place of falling. But secondly here, Paul says to not only watch, but also to be sober. You know, those in the military often uh, measure performance, agility, speed, ability, in part by food intake so that they can maintain an optimal performance in the field. Athletes are kept on certain diets so that they are alert and can maximize their abilities also. We cannot be so engrossed with the things of the world that we aren't alert spiritually. We need to be in a right mind and sensitive to things going on. Peter said in 1 Peter 5.8, Be sober, be vigilant. In other words, pay attention. See what's coming. But notice here in, in Paul's words to the Thessalonians in verses 7 and 8. He tells them, and, like, and likewise us, arm yourselves for battle with three graces. In verse 8, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So Paul gives us, as God's people, a call to arms. The Christian life is a fight, and Paul says, we need to get our battle gear on. Those who have been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light need to protect their vitals, protect your heart, and protect your head. Sometimes we forget to gear up, and so we too need this instruction. Let me ask you this. Do you think that anyone in the military would want to go out in a Hummer today without their Kevlar jackets and helmet on? No. Armies throughout history have developed and used various kinds of armor. Armor in its various forms have covered the chest and the head. Whereas soldiers use armor to protect their bodies, Christians are to put on the armor of God, which protects our souls. Matthew Poole again said this, The Christian must carry out two duties, being sober and putting on spiritual armor. The former was to secure them against the good things of the world, the latter against the evil of it, that they may not be overcome by either. There are many things in the world that are alluring, 
that are tempting. There are many things in the world that are flat out evil. But yet, the armor of God is vitally important for us as people of God to have on that we indeed may fight well and stand. We need to guard our heads and hearts by exercising three graces, Paul says, faith, hope, and love. John Calvin said, The man who is provided with faith, hope, and love will be found in no department unarmed. Think about that for a moment. The man who has provided faith, hope, and love, and who provides that? Indeed, God himself. These are gifts from God. The Lord works these things in us and grows these things in us. But indeed, the man who has those will be found in no department unarmed. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, Paul tells us that when we walk by faith, walking in the Spirit, we are kept from fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. In speaking of the full armor of God, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You know, great things are ascribed to faith in the scriptures. We are justified by faith alone, adopted, united to Christ, have our hearts purified. However, note here that it is considered a defensive grace. It defends us as we believe and confess the truth of the gospel, particularly here, the resurrection and second coming of Christ. By faith, we also depend on the faithfulness and all-sufficiency of God to keep his promises to us. The Holy Spirit applies that in our hearts for our support and comfort. But secondly, similar to faith, hope and love also defend us against the persecutions and afflictions of the world. Hope and love also show our faith to be a true and a lively faith. You know, Christian husbands and wives have deep love for each other, which is also grounded in their love for God as an expression of his love. Scripture not only tells us that love covers a multitude of sins, but love protects those who are in love. Their hearts and minds are focused on each other. Their lives are committed to each other in covenant with each other, and also with God. True God-given love provides protection for their marriage relationship. And so we must have hearts inflamed with love, true and fervent love to God, and the things of God will keep us watchful and sober. But Paul goes on to say in Ephesians six seventeen, And take the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Soldiers dare not fight without their helmets. 
despair to which the devil tempts us would try to make us quit our combat. Whereas the hope of our salvation, it makes us lift up our heads in the midst of temptations and afflictions. We soldiers fight with a double-edged sword, which is the very word of God. It enters the soul, it, it cuts, it divides, and it cuts the strongest temptations. It rescues sinner, sinners from under the devil's power. So are indeed you ready today? You better gear up. Make sure you have your armor on. And notice in verses 9 through 11, Paul does say there that we have great comfort and hope in our salvation. And he says, he goes on to say that our hope is grounded in two things. First, God's appointment. And second, our salvation through Christ. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should be together with him. My friends, this is why we are to do these things. It is in obedience to our great God, but notice that we are obedient because we have been appointed by him. We have been saved by him. Paul here again is contrasting what is true about the children of the night with what is true about the children of the day, the children of the light. Note that God did not appoint us, the children of the day, for wrath. The day won't overtake us like a thief, he says. But he has appointed us to obtain salvation. Ah, he has appointed us to obtain salvation. And there is such immediate, sweet comfort and joy. Even to consider and to think about the reality of the meaning of those words. Literally, obtain, it means to obtain by purchase. Christ's elect people will be saved through Jesus Christ. You can take that to the bank. We have been bought by the blood of Christ and brought into the beloved. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Beloved, we have great hope in our salvation. God has chosen us. Jesus has purchased for us complete deliverance from the guilt of sin, from the pollution of sin, and from the punishment, just punishment even, due to us for our sins. He did what was needed to reconcile us with the Father, to bring us 
into the family of God by adoption. This good hope of eternal life will indeed defend the head and will hinder our hearts from being intoxicated with the pleasures of sin. Further, Satan will assault the soul to drive us into despair, but the hope of our salvation will defend us. Although Satan would love to whisper, even yell, what he's told you isn't true. You're condemned like all the rest. Christ's blood, Christ's sacrifice, his resurrection, indeed the promise that he is coming again, it speaks a much louder testimony speaks the true testimony. Indeed, that we have great hope in our salvation. He will keep his promises to us. So Paul says that this is why we should put on this armor of God, because God has appointed us to salvation. We are told in Romans by the Apostle Paul to put on Christ, And when we are putting on the armor of God, in one sense, we are putting on Christ. We are being more like Christ and becoming more like Christ. When we put on Christ, we will have the breastplate of faith and love. When we put on Christ, we will also have the helmet of salvation. And Paul goes on here in verse 10, notice, to say that we should consider this knowing that Christ died for us so that, whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. In other words, whether we live or die, we will be together with him for all eternity. Is this not yet another glorious comfort? We aren't appointed to salvation and eternal life apart from God. Importantly, we will be together with Him in a beautiful relationship with Him, worshiping Him forever. Praise the Lord. And notice finally in verse 11, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. There's an important one-anothering going on in this battle called the Christian life. We aren't in the battlefield alone. To do so would be foolish. We need each other. We need each other's comfort. I need you to build me up and encourage me to be battle-ready, to remind me to keep focused and alert. I need you to keep pointing me to our wonderful Savior, especially when I'm battle-weary. And you need the same. Thus, the importance of walking together. And thus, the beauty of what the Lord is building together in the church. People from all walks of life tribes, tongues, nations coming together who belong to the Lord, walking together, 
helping, encouraging, and comforting one another. So in conclusion, I'll just leave you with a few thoughts here. As we walk in this world, let us keep that coming day in focus. We should be awake and alert. Have we become spiritually careless or idle? If so, we've heard today what we need to do. And let's do it. Are you prepared as a soldier of Christ for the battle you are in? When you get up each morning, do you go about your day with your armor on? Or do you go about unarmed into the spiritual challenges you face? Finally, take joy in the hope of your salvation. You are not of the darkness. The day of the Lord will not overtake you as a thief because he has appointed you because of the merit and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. You will live together with him forever. Welcome the day. Watch and be sober today. There is a reason why we as the body of Christ say, Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Welcome it. Our Savior is coming. May God give us grace to do so. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that indeed you have called us to be your children, the children of the day, the children of the light. Lord, indeed that you have saved us and that we have great hope, hope that does not fade, it does not fail. It is solid, it is secured, it is guaranteed. Lord, may, be, may we be encouraged and indeed comforted by your word that we have considered this evening. May we be those who are motivated to indeed be active in the one-anothering with each other and comforting and encouraging and edifying one another in these truths. And Lord, may we ever look forward to that day when you come again for us to take us home. We thank you, Lord, and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.